are you doing? Good to see you. I love you guys. We haven't met before. I still love you. My name's Scott, one of the pastors here, and uh, just welcome, welcome, welcome. I would really encourage everyone to pick up one of those um, uh, invitation uh, kits uh, outside uh, that are at the table. Inside, there is a way for you to just be part of a miracle in someone else's life. Uh, we are believing that Easter is going to be incredible. We want you to pray with us. We want you to believe with us. We want you to be part of the miracle. I'm sure, I'm sure that if you were standing on the edge of the Red Sea when it parted, you wouldn't just observe it. You'd walk through, right? You don't want to stay back. Well, this is a way to be part of a miracle. Please pick up one of those bags. And then uh, we've talked about, and there are some brochures, we have a life-changing uh, pilgrimage to Israel next February from the 10th to the 20th. If you want some information, that is sitting out there as well. We'd like you to be part of that trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be filled with faith. And uh, I've had some personal spiritual experiences in the Holy Land that have shaped and directed my entire life. And I would love you to be a part as Darla and I go over with the team here from the church. Um, we are wrapping up our study, our series on the letters, the seven letters that Jesus writes to the church in the last book of the Bible, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 2 and chapter 3, we've been looking at for these last few weeks. And we've come to the last church, which is the church of Laodicea. If you want to open your Bibles, you can, or get out your study guide, which was in the weekly. The scriptures uh, that we're going to look at and study are there. And as we begin, uh, let me just ask you, uh, how many of you have ever heard a knock-knock joke? How many of you have ever told a knock-knock joke? How many of you have ever enjoyed a knock-knock joke? Much less, much less, I would say. They're usually kind of childish, and they're kind of corny. Knock-knock. Tank. You're welcome. The illustration. Knock-knock. I had to remember. Hatch! God bless you. <laughs> one more? Got time for one more? Knock, knock! Please! Please stop telling these stupid knock, knock jokes. <laughs> I got an amen. I got an amen for that. Well, in this last church, there's a knock that really is no joke. Probably a very well-known scripture uh, to many is found in... Uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And I want you to pay attention when we read this scripture, which is part of the letter to the last church. I want you to pay attention to where Jesus is as he writes this verse. He says this to the last church, the church of Laodicea, and to the people that are gathered in that church. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Pause for a moment. Where is Jesus? Let's get this. Where is Jesus? He is 
outside. Well, I thought it was a church. Shouldn't he be inside? Shouldn't the church be about the presence of Jesus? Somehow it had become about something else. I stand at the door of the church and the people who are in the church, and I knock. If anyone, you can just hear, it's like a cry. If anyone, anyone that's in the church would please hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in. I'm going to have fellowship with them. I'm going to eat with them. I want to be your friend. It's what Jesus would say to every person here today. I want to be your friend. Open the door. Remember last week we looked at the church of Philadelphia, which was the church of the open door? You, you could call this church the church of the closed door. Now, Jesus had done his part. He, he'd open. He'd, have you ever been in one of those hotel rooms that you can have a shared room? So there's a doorway, and it's, got like, it's a two-part doorway. You open your part of the door. Well, don't do that if you don't know the people on the other side. But you open your part of the door, and then if, if you, to have fellowship, the other person opens their part of the door. Well, here's the picture. Jesus has opened the door. And he calls you to open the door. Because this is a, it's a sad a picture that the church somehow was together doing religious stuff, doing their thing, maybe singing some songs, probably reading some scripture. They were doing religious things, but they'd missed the most important aspect of the church. And the most important aspect of the church is the presence of Christ. Like when we come together and we sing, that's fine. But if we sing without the presence of Christ, we've missed it. We, we're reading Scripture now. We can read Scripture. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. If I do that and we don't experience the presence of Christ, we've missed it. When we get together, it's about opening the door to His presence because when He is presence, His power shows up. And lives are changed. There's no life change unless the door is open. There's no life change unless Jesus comes in. And when he comes in, watch out. Everything will change. Your life will be changed. But it is possible for you to be here today in a religious way, but you've missed the presence of Christ. It's possible because we're reading about it. It's possible for an entire church to come together and go through some religious form but miss the presence of Christ. And Jesus says, that's sad. I'm knocking at the door. How did this church, how did this church get to be in this sad condition? Well, we find it in the letter that he writes to them. Here's how they got there. Go with me to verse 15 and verse 16 as he writes to the church and he says, I know your works. He said that to every church. He says it to this church. I know what you did last week. Know where you've been. Know what you've been about. I know your works. And watch the commentary. You're neither cold nor you're hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. Verse 16. So because you are, watch this, underline it, put a star beside it. Because you are lukewarm. Everybody say lukewarm. It's a very important understanding, this 
lesson that Jesus is trying to give us. Because you are lukewarm and you're not hot and you're not cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You've got to be lukewarm. In the Bible, the presence of God is shown from Genesis to Revelation. So for us to understand the presence of God, the presence of God is shown as fire. When God's people were following God's presence through the wilderness, being led to the promised land, they followed a pillar of fire, the presence of God, fire. Now, fire does a couple of things. It warms things up, right? It lights the way. Fire brings light. Now, for a fire, the presence of God, to come to a lukewarm state means the fire has to have gone out. Right? A fire can die down and still have some, some fire to it. Th those red coals, just pick one of them up and see what I mean. But when those red coals go out, that's when the fire becomes lukewarm. There's no presence of fire. There was no presence of Jesus in the church. That's why there was no fire. And because of that, they were lukewarm. And he says, you're going to be spit out of my mouth. Now, I know people, maybe you do, and I've watched this happen. I've watched them. We would call it, or maybe you've heard this term, being on fire for God. You ever heard that term? On fire for the Lord. What it means is they're really enthusiastic. They're really passionate. They're here all the time. Every time the doors open, they are there. They open their Bible. They bring, the, they bring note paper. They take notes. They're, they're, they're passionate. But I've watched them because I've, I've pastored for a long time. And then you miss them. And then they used to be there every week, but now it's not every week. It's every once in a while. And then it becomes very infrequent. And I know what's going on behind the scene. The enemy is slowly working at compromise and apathy. He's saying, go ahead and commit that sin. It's not that bad. Nobody will know about it. And they cool down and cool down and cool down until the fire goes out. And they become lukewarm because the fire, the passion, the enthusiasm for God's presence has got lost somewhere. And the tragedy is this church didn't even know it. They thought they were doing great. Hey, we came to church. Loved it. Had some coffee. Loved that new song. Wow, Scott was good today. Not an amen in the house, but that's okay. <laughs> they, they were going through the motion, and here's what they were saying about themselves. Look at what they were saying. Verse 17. Hey, we're doing great. We're rich. Wow, look at, look at the place we have. Look at the building. Wow, things are going good. We're prosperous. Watch this. You got a pen? Pay attention to these words. We need nothing. Pay attention. Circle those words. Put a star beside. Remember when we studied uh, the Church of Philadelphia last week? That one of their strengths was that God compliments was they had little power and they knew it, right? They had little power. And because they had little power, 
They knew their great need. Remember, they, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. These people are just the opposite. They weren't the church of the open door. They were the church of the closed door. They said, hey, we don't have no needs. We come here. And if you come today and you don't feel a great need for transformation, change, enlightenment, where's the fire? Because when Jesus' presence shows up, he wants to change us all. In fact, he makes the comment, you think you're okay, but you're wretched. This is Jesus' analysis. You're pitiable. You're, you're poor. You think you're rich, but you're poor. You're blind, and you're naked. And because of that, he says, I, wa- I want to spit you out. And, and that word in the original language in verse 20, spit you out, isn't just Jesus going, Poof. The original language means to throw up. And what he's saying is, you're Lukewarmness makes me sick. And I don't want you to stay that way. Can you hear me? I'm knocking at your door. He would be saying that to every single person here today. I'm knocking at your door. Because I want there to be a moment of transformation. And we pray that Jesus would be heard today. Not Scott. Jesus would be heard today. That all of us would open the door, that this would be a church where the door is wide open. This would be a church that is hungry for the presence of Jesus. This would be a church that is hungry for the power of Jesus because when he shows up, he changes lives, and we need that. We need that. So he, so he, he said, okay, I'm going to tell you how to get the fire back. And maybe you have a friend. Or maybe, maybe if you do an al- analysis of your own life, if I just asked you, like, where are you between 1 and 10 for your passion level, your enthusiasm level, the level of fire in your life? And, and how is it doing? What was it last month? What was it last year? Last Easter. What was it? Is it slipping the wrong way? Have you lapsed into apathy, complacence? Has the fire gone down? Have you got into lukewarmness? Well, he wants to give you his solution. So he counsels this church, or he, he, he instructs this church. And so let's look at verse 18. Here's where the instructions of Jesus are to this lukewarm church. The first thing he says, you need to change your values. You're, you're valuing the wrong thing. You see, they thought they were rich, and he says, you're not rich. You're poor. Your values are messed up. And so here is his instruction to them, and pay attention to it. I counsel you to buy, pause, look this way. Remember verse 17? Get this. They were poor, but he's counseling them to buy. I want you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. It's impossible, we all know this, it's impossible for poor people to buy gold. Isn't that true? So why is he saying, buy gold? But you're poor. What he's saying is, I've already got it covered. What you've settled for is fool's gold. You think you're rich. Look at what we got but you're poor. 
You need to reevaluate your values. You need to come to me and understand it's, it's not that you need nothing. You need what I have. You need to value what I have instead of valuing what you're valuing. And you can't get it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. But I can give it to you by grace. That's good. You can't. Isaiah the prophet picks up the same thing. So just look at the heart of God when it comes to receiving from him. You have to know your need. You have to figure out, my values have been messed up. And Isaiah the prophet says this. He says, I want you to come, everyone who is thirsty, if your soul needs to be filled. You're not going to find fullness in this world or in the things that this world values. They're going to rip you off. They're going to promise you everything but deliver nothing. There are all kinds of people living in this area that go, hey, I'm rich. But if we did a true analysis, they're poor. Their relationships are messed up. They can't, they can't get to sleep at night without some kind of sedative. They can't wake up in the morning without something to get them going. They are poor and they don't know it. They've settled for the values of this world. And Jesus says, I've got something for you. Your soul is empty. I want you to know that when you're thirsty, I have what you need. Remember when he met the woman at the well? She was a mess. She had been looking for value in the eyes of men. And she couldn't find it. Because it's not there. Ladies, it's not there. Your value comes when you connect with your creator. And Jesus says, lady, you've been through all of these relationships. I have water for you that will satisfy your soul. You need to come and get that water. And that's what Isaiah the prophet is saying. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Especially if you have no money. Why? Because you need to buy it, but you can't afford it. You need to know you need it, but you can't afford it. But I'm going to give it to you. Come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk, the things that are provided in the kingdom of God. And buy them without money. How do you buy without money? He buys it for you, and he gives it to you. My grace is sufficient. On the cross, I gave you everything you need. I turned the value system of this world upside down, and now you need to come and get the real deal rather than settling for the values of this world. When you live by the values of this world, you can't hear the knock of Jesus at the door. You ever gone to someone's house and they're playing the music so loud inside? You can, you can hear that bass line, boom, 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 boom. And you knock at the door and you, you know you're not going to be heard. You pound. You ring the bell. You can't even hear the bell outside the house because from inside the house it's boom, 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 boom. That's what the values of this world do to the voice of Jesus. The values of this world drowned out the voice of Jesus. And you can't have that intimate relationship with Jesus until you recognize this is fool's gold. This is not satisfying me. 
And you come to value what he values. You have a, a, a re-evaluation of your values, and you change your values to the, the values of the kingdom. And there are many places in the Bible that outline what the kingdom values. One of them is in Galatians. Here's, here are kingdom values, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The values of the kingdom. So come to me. And quit settling for fool's gold and receive the real gold. Receive the values of the kingdom of God. Because when you have his values, the fire returns to your soul. Buy. Now, the second thing he says, I want you to buy something else. you got to get yourself some clothes. <laughs> this is good. Especially if you showed up naked today. Let's sit right, if you're taking some notes, uh, just put it down like this. You need to change your source, the source of rightness, the source of righteousness. And he says, okay, I want to counsel you to buy again, or I want to, you to receive what only I can provide. I want you to receive from me white garments so that you can clothe yourself because you are naked. Now, if someone showed up today to this gathering naked, it would create quite a stir. Wouldn't it? Go, hey! Hey, you got no clothes on! That's okay. Remember verse 17? I hope you underline those words. I have need of nothing. I have need of nothing. That statement is a self-sufficient statement. The source of my life, the source of my strength is, well, it's me. I don't need anything. Come to church. I don't need any transformation. I, I need nothing. Self-righteousness, the Bible teaches us, is like filthy rags. It doesn't cover you well. Hey! I'm okay. No! You need some white garments! You need to come to a point where you say, I am not my own solution. I'm not the source of my own solution. I'm giving up on self-righteousness, and I'm going to cash. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, God is going to be my source. I need his righteousness. I need the white robes that he can supply. God-righteousness over self-righteousness. We offer frequently here the opportunity to come to the table of the Lord to receive communion. The Bible says before we do that, we should examine ourselves. That's good. And we examine ourselves not to see if we're good enough to receive communion. We examine ourselves to say, all of us come to the same conclusion, I need a Savior. It's not about measuring up to some bar of being good enough to receive communion. It's all of us recognizing I need a Savior. So we're not with this unfired, lukewarm church who says, I have need of nothing. No, 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 no. We lift our voice and go, I need Him. And when we're gathered together today, when you come into this place, if you come in and go out unchanged, and come in and go out unchanged, and come in and go out unchanged, it's because lukewarmness has come into your soul. But when you open the door and let him come in, he becomes your source. He becomes your supply. He becomes your righteousness. And you recognize in a new way how much you need him.
Here's how Paul writes it to us in the letter to the Ephesians. Put off your old self, because with your old self, you're kind of naked. Belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt and thoroughly deceitful. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and put on the new self. Well, who supplies the new self? He does, not you. The source of your spiritual strength has to be God. Not your own intellect, not your own wisdom. Know that you have little power like the Philippians and go, oh God, oh God, oh God, you are my support, my support and my source. I, I, I may not have anyone else, but I don't need anyone else. You are the source of my life. I put on the new self, which is created in the likeness of God. And what is that? It's true righteousness, not self-righteousness. It's true righteousness and it's true holiness. And that is covers your life. He becomes the source of your righteousness. And when you know, when you know he is the source of your righteousness, it does something deep in your heart. You, you worship with a passion. You just don't sing the words off the screen. You were, oh man, he's got me covered. He's put a white robe on me. I'm a mess without him, but with him, I have everything I need, and it brings a fire into your worship. Why? Because you recognize the presence of God. When you read scriptures like this, it does something to you. You say amen. I'd rather go to a church that's fired up than lukewarm. I don't want, I don't want that lukewarmness. So we have to reevaluate our values and line them up with the kingdom values. We need to understand how needy we are. And the third thing he says, you need to change your vision. I want to anoint your eyes. I want you to see things differently. So he encourages them in the third part, right at the end of verse 18, I counsel you to buy from the first sentence and the last sentence. I encourage you to buy or receive from me what you can't buy, a salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. There's an anointing that will open your eyes. There's something that the Spirit of God wants to do in your life before you leave today that you will see everything different, that you will see yourself. And when you see yourself properly, you'll go, Oh, my Lord, I need help. Didn't that happen? When Isaiah saw God and he saw himself in the light of God in Isaiah 6, he said, oh, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a mess. And it's okay to see yourself that way because as soon as you see that way, then he wraps around his righteousness. He says, I got that covered. But you see yourself in the light of God. You see, your, you see the people around you in the light of God. And you know what? They need God as bad as you need God. There, there's nobody in this room that's over or under. I don't need God any more or less than you. I need him. I'm a mess without him. I can't do anything without him. Your boss needs God. Not, well, I heard one amen. Thank you very much. for. It's not, a, it's not a hierarchy. It's everybody. Grace is the great equalizer. It puts everybody on a level playing field at the foot of the cross going, I need God. You see them that way. 
And the more you don't see that, the more darkness has affected your heart. And that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to cool down. The enemy wants there to be apathy. The enemy wants you to move from red hot to medium, rare, to, to lukewarm. Because when the fire goes out, what happens? When the fire goes out, there's no light. That's what happens. There's no light. A lukewarm person or a lukewarm church can't bring the light of God to the world. That's what the enemy wants. A lukewarm person or a lukewarm church can't bring the warmth of God to the planet. So Jesus is saying, hey, let me in. Because when you let me in, my presence will come in, and I am I'm fire personified. I'll fire things up for you. You'll know I'm there because your life is going to change because all of a sudden you're going to recognize I need your righteousness. I'm going to change you. I'm going to rearrange you. And when I do that, you're going to light up the world that needs to be lit up. That's why it comes. I have a friend uh, that uh, posted this posting this week. He's a pastor friend, good friend of mine. And it, it, it's the, the story of a life that lost its fire. The fire went out. Thanks be to God it was recaptured. But here's the posting he, he posted this week. On this day seven years ago, my brother Danny went home to be with the Lord at an early age. Danny had walked away from God. I could say it like this. This letter doesn't say it, but Danny became lukewarm. He walked away from God for drugs and for sex. He lived an immoral life. However, six months prior to his death, he asked Jesus into his life again. He repented and began to call on the Lord for forgiveness. But because of his drugs, he contracted HIV AIDS. And when the AIDS manifest in his body, he began to get cancer throughout his mouth and throat. The wages of sin is death. However, the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. Thanks be to God for that. My brother did die six months. My, mother, my brother did that six months prior to losing his wife. He's now in heaven, leave, losing his wife, life, sorry. Losing his life. He's now in heaven. And one day I will see him again. Jesus is so good. No matter how far we go away, all we have to do is reach out to him again. All we have to do is open the door, I'm saying. All you have to do is say, welcome in Jesus. And he forgives us and cleanses us. I miss you, Danny, but I can't wait to see you again one day. And I'm glad for that. Six, six months before, so we had six months of walking in warmth and light. I've prayed with people. I've prayed with people hours before they entered eternity. And I'm glad. I'm glad for every person that says yes to Christ. I'd like you to say yes to Christ, but I don't want you to wait till the end of your life. What about, what about this? What about all of the circle of Danny's friends that he could have been warmth and light to all of those years? 
But a lukewarm person doesn't give light. That's where the enemy ripped them off. So don't wait. Open your heart today to Christ. Because there's a mission that God has for your life. To light this world and to bring warmth. And you can't do that in a lukewarm state. You will do it when you value his presence. When you get up every morning and say, Jesus, let's do this day together. I don't, I don't want to do this day without your presence. I don't want to do this day. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to gather here without your presence. Your presence is what I need, Lord. Not coming in like these people going, got it covered. I'm going to sing a few songs, listen to a few words. Out I go. We come and we say, I need you, God. I need you. And open the door and let him come in and be the best friend you've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Let's stand for prayer. Can we do that? Let's close our eyes. Come, Holy Spirit, please come. Let us have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us, not what Scott would say, but what your spirit would say. Anoint our eyes. Open our hearts to the power of your presence that comes when we welcome you. My challenge is that every person would have a heart that's wide open to Jesus. And if you're here today, I'm going to pray in a moment. If you're here today and you need to open your heart to the presence of Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time because you've been going through the motions, but you know I need to open my heart to Jesus. I need to open my life to Jesus. Then we're going to pray a prayer in a moment. But if that's the kind of prayer you need to pray today, I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to take an action of faith. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand high enough for me to see it and hold it up there till we make eye contact. And we're going to pray that your heart will be open today to the presence and the power of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you guys. I'm glad you're here. Just put it up high enough for me to see. Thank you. Let me see your eyes. I know you're praying. But let me see your eyes. I want to value you. Bless you. Thank you. Who else is say That's me today. That's me. Thank I see you there. I see you. Thanks, pal. Let's open our hearts. Let's open our hearts. I see you way back there. Thank you. I, I see you. Oh, sorry. Way over here. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you right there. Way at the back. God bless you. God bless you guys. Way over here. God bless you. Just open our hearts to Jesus. He will come in. Is the fire in your soul? If the fire's not in your soul, open your heart. Let him come in. Let him light your life up. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray so our eyes are still closed. Our prayer team is going to come because I want them to be ready to minister to all of the needs that are in this place. And I want the Holy Spirit to soak us with his presence and his power. But let's say, let's say yes to Jesus as our first prayer. Let's all pray together because the Bible says believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth. So let's all pray out loud and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
because I really need you. I open my heart, my soul, and my life to Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. Now help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome, Jesus. Lead and guide me by the power of your presence. In Jesus' name. Our eyes are still closed. I want to pray this prayer. Lord, many people here, I've been praying this all morning, all last night. Anoint my eyes. Anoint my eyes. As Paul said, we didn't read the scripture, but it's there. Anoint my eyes that the eyes of my heart would be open, enlightened. Open my eyes, God. So I pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. In fact, while I'm praying this, could you open your hands towards heaven as just receiving this anointing of seeing new vision, seeing yourself in his light, seeing people around you in his light. Just open your hands. Lord, just let the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon my brothers and sisters now. I can't do this, no one in it, but you can do it, Lord. You can put a salve of anointing in our eyes and we can see things differently. And when we see it differently, we will respond differently. We'll see our great need, and we'll be so happy to open that door and let your presence and power enter in and do what only you can do, God. Anoint us, we pray. Anoint our eyes, we pray. Anoint our eyes, we pray. In the precious name that's above every other name. Look this way. Can you do that for a moment? Our prayer team is here. If you're one of those people saying yes to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time, it's absolutely essential. It's part of your spiritual victory for you to come and tell one of our prayer team, I prayed with Scott today. I want my heart to be open. The Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And we overcome by the word of our testimony. So you need to tell somebody before you go. And then there's many people that need to come, and we'll anoint you with oil. We have oil here if you want us to do that. We'll anoint you and say, I need my eyes to be anointed. I need to see. I need to see things differently. I need the Holy Spirit to open up the eyes of my heart. And we'll pray for you. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in your life. If you need healing, Jesus is here to bring healing. If you, whatever your need is, Jesus, Jesus, is good, Jesus is big enough to meet every need in this room. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, many people are here for the first time. I want to thank you for coming. If you've never stopped by to get to know us after praying and coming forward, stop by the VIP room. We want to just greet you and get to know you. VIP room is over on this side. I want to encourage everybody before you leave, as you leave the building, to take one of those invitation bags with you to spread the, the light. How, to, to see the people around you the way that Jesus sees them. When he's in your heart, you start to see people differently. You start to see their needs. So take those bags with you. Our worship team is going to lead us. There are communion tables if you would like to receive communion. There's a communion table at the front on the left and the right-hand side as you come. 
Examine yourself and say, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. And let him fellowship with you. So our prayer ministry will be open. Our altar will be open. Our prayer team is going to lead us. And the Holy Spirit is going to minister as we just welcome the gifts and the power of God in this place. Come, Spirit of God. Come on, welcome him. Come, Spirit of God. Spirit of God, come into this place in great power, life-changing power. Fire up your church, God. Fire up our lives, God. Burn brightly in our hearts, oh God. Open our hearts up, we pray. Open up our hearts. Open up our hearts, God. Open up our hearts, God. Open up our hearts, God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come forward for prayer, for communion.